You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit, one podcast at a time. Welcome, my friends, to the Bride Chiller Podcast, the bullshit-free wedding planning podcast that is there to help you get rid of the wed stress and all the obligation and all the other shit that's sometimes attached to wedding planning and enjoy it. And today's episode is a real treasure, actually listening back to it, which is a bit indulgent, but I make sure I'm, you know, doing the proper job for you. I had a little giggle and I nodded along and really enjoyed it, even though I'm part of it. And that sounds a little douchey. But I promise you this episode isn't douchey. Um, I was so delighted to connect with a fellow podcaster, Talia Pollock, who is a really sassy broad. And actually, we have had a very similar path to what we are doing now. She's also a comedian. We don't want to say former comedians because we do comedy, but just not necessarily in clubs. Because we both like to go to bed, as you'll hear in this, this episode, we like to go to bed at a reasonable time. And it's hard to do that when you're playing club gigs and doing two o'clock in the morning stand-up comedy. Not the best. Talia's uh, beautiful podcast is called Party in My Plants. You'll be hearing more from her in the new year. I've got another episode to record with her all about healthy eating and also just finding your balance with body image. And, and we, are, we do touch on that in this episode a little bit, but... She her her quote I love it on her podcast her podcast homepage is I take the hell out of healthy living how do you want me to prove it and it's fantastic she is a sassy as I said she's sassy she's great and she's also a bride chiller so she connected with me and said let's talk about weddings let's talk a little bit about what we're both doing and it's so nice to find a like-minded person and I know that you're going to enjoy it because she's just one of us She's definitely a bride chiller. We cover a lot in this this interview, this episode. We talk, you know, about body image. We also talk a little bit about stress management. And I think coming from a performance based background, we also share a bit of our pre stand up routine, which I think is actually quite interesting. Talking to a fellow comedian and a performer, and then trying to translate that to quote unquote normal people, because <laughs> I don't know if we're always normal, but also some of the techniques that we're using and then also just listening to some of Talia's feedback about being a bride chiller but also the bullshit that we're all facing every day in society as women not to get too controversial and political but I'm not going to apologize because that's the time we're living in oh boy Alicia oh boy Look, very good. Happy to be sharing this episode with you. Thank you to all who are participating in the Bride Chiller community. If you're new to Bride Chiller, we have a fantastic Facebook group that is just filled with amazing people. As I say in this episode, I just love you guys and you continually inspire me and I'm delighted to be sharing time with you and I spend far too much time in the community when I'm supposed to be doing my day job. Gosh, if they only knew... I work in TV in the day, and if they only knew some of the furious fast typing that I'm doing in the community, uh, that's not for them. And I do my work, don't get me wrong, I'm a very good employee, but sometimes I have the George Costanza thing where I furrow my brow and I look a little stressed. He has this theory, if you don't have anything to do at work, but as long as you look a bit angry and stressed and annoyed, no one bothers you, because they're like, oh, they must be really busy. And I do that, and I type back to all the comments, and I send GIFs or GIFs, as it's supposed to be said, apparently. Uh, and it really entertains me. If you were struggling with anything to do with wedding planning and you've participated in other forums and you felt it to be a little shit, you will not find that in the Bride Chiller community. There it is. All right. Too much talking, not much learning. Let's move on to the episode with the lovely Talia Pollock. And I've called this episode, stop saying shit. <laughs> Come on, Alicia. I've called this episode, get with the program. That's not the episode name. The episode title is stop saying yes to shit you hate, which is one of our conversations that we have. And it's something I truly believe we should be doing more of. All right, enough. Here we go. How do you not get sick about talking about weddings? I mean, you've had, what, 300 episodes, over yeah. 300? Yeah. How, I'm sick of talking about my wedding, and it's been like three months. 
<laughs> well, yeah, we talk about wedding planning, but a lot of the conversation is about the stuff that happens after weddings. It's about communication. I just did a really great interview about mindfulness and looking at self-care. So I really think this is not necessarily about the aesthetics. I don't, I don't, I don't give a shit about the physical. I mean, I talk about the decorative stuff, but really to me, that's not where the problems come into feeling stressed and overwhelmed and the pressure. It's coming from obligation and feeling like, as we do in all aspects of our life, this is not just about wedding planning, this pressure to conform and be like the Joneses and look like things on Instagram and, you know, really trying to solve some of these problems and take the heat off a little bit because we put enough pressure on ourselves in our everyday life, let alone planning a party, which is so silly. Oh, it's so silly. And I cannot relate more to what you're saying. I mean, for me, this whole thing has just been so similar to life. I mean, planning the wedding just brings out these real big life topics that Mm. for me, you know, it's about really being comfortable doing your own thing rather than conforming to other people's things. I mean, I know that that's your message. You say like one of your um, mantras is, you know, fuck the uh, chair covers chair right covers, like, yeah fuck you know em. like <laughs> fuck em. like don't sweat the small stuff because I feel like a lot of brides and then just people in general just have a hard time owning what they truly want for their wedding or for their life and instead just you know doing what other people want or what society says or what their wedding planner says Yeah, I think we've become really fixated with this idea of, well, uh, you know, uh, my big thing is perfection obviously doesn't exist. And we can talk about this in the world of weddings, body image, careers, all this sort of stuff. And the wedding industry as a whole really perpetuates this sort of bullshit idea that you have to create the perfect day and the best day of your life. And I always say to my listeners, I really had a great time on our wedding day, but I bloody hope there's another best day of my life coming about. Or what the hell do we have to live for if we just have this pinnacle of our existence that's based around a party, which to me, you know, that's that sort of sucks in a way. It's great. It's a great party, but also surely there are other achievements in our lives. Um, and it's also coming down to feminism as well as to say the wedding is really, the industry is really aimed towards women, but also making us feel a bit shit about ourselves a lot yes. of the time. So to me, you know, we, we go back to the idea of talking about weddings for 300 episodes. If people listen to this show and join the community and learn about uh, connecting with other people and other bride chillers, if the best thing they get out of it is just realizing that we're in a, obviously stating the obvious now, in a bit of a screwed up situation for women at the moment, but we can empower each other and also make decisions that aren't necessarily about the aesthetic, then I've done my job. I really would feel happy about that. That's wonderful. That's amazing. I mean, I love, you know, they always say like, what is it? Like sell them what they want sell them what they want, like give them what they need or something like that. Mm. I feel like you're, you know, talking about dresses and bringing on people to talk about, you know, wedding planning, but you're really preaching and teaching this like bigger picture message of being authentic and going against the grain and being true to yourself, which I guess is the same thing as being authentic and just being chill, you know, and not putting all your eggs into this one wedding basket. Because like you said, I mean, you had your wedding, it's done. And what you're just not supposed to have a, another amazing day of your life after that because that was That's supposed over. to be the most amazing day of your life. That's it. That's it. You're done. Forget it. Just it's all downhill retire. from here. Retire. Right? That's just <laughs> such a lousy way of looking at this. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and it's, And I think it's not until you stop and think about it. And then one thing I've really noticed, and a lot of my listeners sort of have said that you know when you you click on Facebook you get engaged and you and it's the same when you have a baby and all this sort of stuff the the life moments that are then advertised back at you is really interesting to see you know it's weight loss and it's teeth whitening and it's you know it's all about this aesthetic improvement of yourself that people are trying to buy into while you the chips are down a little bit and you're feeling like oh I should be looking a different way or I should be feeling a different way and for me that's like this sort of we're at a real crisis stage of, I think, of uh, of wedding media and and looking at how it's all dealt with because it sort of sucks, you know. It's 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 just made to make us feel not great and also diversity in in looking at wedding magazines. Look, I'm a white girl from Hobart, Tasmania, Australia, um, 
but even you know I don't have long luscious locks and uh, I'm you know I'm healthy but I'm not like super skinny and I look at some of the ways that we're supposed to look air quotes and it really gives me the shits of how yeah. we, you know and I, I, I how do you feel when you look at all this wedding media because you're in the crux of it right now you're in the heart of it well, it's funny because I just recorded a podcast episode a few weeks ago about the whole epidemic about shedding for the wedding. And oh, I hate how, it. You know, I mean, it's, it's it rhymes, so I'll give them that. But, you know, shed for the wed. But, you know, for me, what happened was I got engaged and I was like, well, I guess I got to start shedding for the wedding. Like, isn't that what you do? Like, mm. you know, that's just what you do. And like two weeks into my journey I was like what the hell am I doing like I love my body I'm chilling I'm great I could get married tomorrow Mm -hmm. because I've worked all these years on eating healthfully and exercising every day so that I'm my best self every day so that when tomorrow when you know when the wedding comes like I'm already my best self I don't need to change and that's really what my message is and what I feel so connected to which is just try to be your best self every day and then by default your wedding day will come and you're still your best self and that doesn't mean you have to lose 50 pounds or you know and I heard something that you said on your podcast which is something I also said on mine about the shedding for the wedding thing which is like your person decided they wanted to marry you already. So maybe you should look like the person that they wanted to marry when you actually marry them. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, (laughs) what's, what's the point? And also look, to be serious about the shedding for the wedding and the sweating for the wedding, I've sort of said, I spend a time like, investigating listen to me investigating uh looking into the hashtag and seeing some really like sick shit happening with people pressuring Mm -hmm. each other and that to me is not like there's nothing healthy and i'm not you know i love working out i love healthy eating and i can't wait to talk about this by the way but also i think you have to do things for your the right reasons not just for I'm just going to drop a bunch of keys before the wedding day and then let it all go and not have a healthy lifestyle afterwards. It's it's really competitive and weird and bordering on a bit sad, I think, sometimes. I just want to jump on Instagram and go, stop it. You don't need to do 20 hours of cardio a week. Just get a life, you know. Totally. And I mean, do you think it's, you know, the magazine? I don't, I actually don't read any bridal magazines. I mean, I don't really read magazines in general, but I yeah. guess... You know, when you look at photos, I just don't really do that anyway. But I guess if you were doing that, if you're one of those brides who are like on Pinterest every day or reading the magazines, is it just that there's every bride is just, you know, stick thin and and it's just trying to tell you that that's how you should be? Or I feel like, you know, even like most gyms, Mm. at least here in New York, have like some bridal deal you know it's like the the bride and her bridesmaids or the bride and groom you know shedding for the wedding thing and I feel like it's just a common assumption that's what happened to me where I was like okay I'm engaged got the ring time to shed and I'm like what are you talking like I had to step back and just be like what are you doing like no that's not who you are like what what stop um it's just crazy and I feel like there's so much pressure and so I mean for your listeners I know you have like a really wonderful community of people that you really interact with like what do you tell them when they're feeling that pressure to shed for the wed well, I think it's interesting and it, it's sort of evolving a little bit now, but you talk about it, the media, but it's also families as well. I think there's some sort of weird thing that families can go, oh, you need to lose a couple of kilos. See those little love handles there? And you go, well, that's not really going to help me and it's not helping my body image. And it's also some bridal stores have this question, and I used to do a bit of stand-up about this years ago, way before I ever did um, Bride Chiller. Uh, oh, but funny. it was yeah it was all about um this idea that you walk in there and they're like how much weight do you plan to lose and really yeah Yeah, see I haven't gone dress shopping yet so but I have heard that from one other person that that they said well we'll just size it a few sizes down because I you know we assume you'll be smaller by your wedding date yeah and I mean there's no discouraging if people want to tone up or feel you know but it's like that should not be a question that's asked to anyone in a public forum like that and let alone a day that you're supposed to be feeling freaking fantastic um so i feel like there's this this really strange 
um, sort of stranger things, other side, other world, <laughs> where you go, oh, it's fine to just talk about someone's body weight when you've walked into a shop and you're going to store and you're going to sell them a $2,000 dress. It's so weird when you think about it that way. But I think when it comes to the community, it's a really, we've got this Facebook group and it's there's lots of very sort of honest, you know, as you said, authentic conversations happening. And it's really, it's really gives you a good kick up the ass to sort of see people go, hey, 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 I'm not going to stop eating desserts for the next 14 months because I am, you know, quote unquote, supposed to look a certain way. I feel amazing. And it's really great to be empowered like that and be a group, into a group of chicks that just go, yeah, I'm good. I'm sexy. I own it. All right. Yeah. And you, I mean, the one already decided they want to look at you every day for the rest of their lives and be with you. I mean, you're fine. Like it's not, you're good. Like, you know, you're good. And and that's why, you know, for me, again, it just comes back to, you know, eating well and exercising and treating yourself well every day. So you're your best every day because like you said, it's just one party, you know, and if you act like that is just like what your life is all building up to. And then you have this party where you have to look literally, well, perfect, quote unquote, or just like a stranger, Mm -hmm. then, you know, it's just one day, like you should aspire to feel and look your best every day. I agree. And no one wants to see Skeletor at the end of the aisle. It's not sexy. <laughs> no. I've been to weddings where, like, I just – I didn't even recognize the bride on Oy. the day. I, like, did, like – the first time I saw her, I did, like, a quadruple take. And I'm like, no. Wow. Mm. It was nuts. People get crazy. And then, you know, they gain most of it back. And then you just longingly look at your photos like, oh, remember when I was, you know, half my body at my wedding? Like, those were the days. Yeah, it's it's so freaky deaky stuff and it's freaky. not healthy. And it's not like you said, it's not sustainable. And also I, you know, the big thing I preach about health and wellness and, um, you know, I, I love running and I love, I'm tonight I'm going to go and do this weird workout called CX Works. I forgot what it's called. But um, <laughs> it's like a half an hour, like fun, hit training stuff. You just get it done, get out of there. But I really love it for my mental health, you know. So yes. my my big thing is to sort of find you, you know, preaching this idea that you find something you really like doing and whether that's softball or doing weights or jogging or whatever, find an activity that you love and, you know, join groups, find accountability people, but don't starve and wear your <laughs> shitty sweating for the wedding merchandise to make you feel better when it's probably not making you feel good. Totally. Well, it's oh. funny. I know you love. I know you love running. I read that you came up with your podcast idea on a run, as yeah. did I. Oh, we're the yes. Same. <laughs> we're the same. I love awesome. it. Um, I, tell me about your running. How far do you run? What do you listen to? Podcasts? Do you listen to music? Talk me through your routine. I always listen to music, and it's the same playlist every time. <laughs> ridiculous but I don't I don't even know I mean I add songs every now and again but they're like ridiculous songs like songs I loved in college like I don't know like I have well this is not from college but I've well like what's that um I have like soldier boy you know like ridiculous terrible music that every time I play I put my Spotify on private so nobody sees Um, and I'll run like three to four miles, you know, like I try to, I pretty much run every day except maybe like I take one day off here or there. Right. That's great. I and just, I think, it's just getting it out, get it, yeah. blowing the steam literally off. I like running this time of year, you know, in the winter, it's sort of crispy and you can also feel really smug when you see your fellow runners and you give them a little nod and you go, oh, it's shitty weather, but I'm out here. I'm down in the ground. I feel good about myself. So go you for being out there. Oh, I don't have a treadmill, but I do like to see the outside world occasionally. So it works for me. But you know, (laughs) it's 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 you do what you do. You do what you do. What about you and your running? Well, sort of the same. I I like to listen to podcasts when I run and everyone thinks I'm a bit of a freak for that, but I find it distracting. And I like to learn <laughs> and I listen to my like my business podcasts and, um, you know, I love a bit of Pat Flynn and Shalene Johnson mm-hmm. and all those people who just, love I learn them. things and then make little notes in my head to go home and go, I'll learn about email segmentation um, and This American Life. I've got, I've just, you know, love cranking through the podcast, but I, I'm not a long distance runner. I love a, you know, 
is very similar to you. Three or four miles is quite satisfying and my legs yeah. go, you're old now, go home. Uh, <laughs> well, mine go like, I'm tired now, give me food. Yeah. <laughs> so did you run on your wedding day? Because I'm, you know, thinking about, since that's mm. the number one thing I do to manage my stress, I'm definitely planning on doing a run on the morning of my wedding. I think that's a really good idea. I did not only because we spent, oh, look, most of the wedding morning still setting up our venue. We DIY'd the shit out of our wedding and it was only because of our lovely friends who jumped in and helped us too that we actually made it to the physical wedding. So, oh. um, it, yeah, good stories, but I would <laughs> advise people to get a planner or someone to help them. But... I my best friend got married in Byron Bay in in, in um, Australia last year two years ago and she got up got up in the morning and ran ten kilometers and said it was the best thing for her head so mm. I think if that's your zone or do some yoga or do something mm-hmm. but you know take that time for you to actually just sort of get in the zone and shed some of that uh, mental shit if that's what helps you chill yeah yeah Yeah, well you had said you just recorded a podcast about like mindfulness and self-care and you know I'm wondering if that you have any other you know advice for like day of stress and chill and literally chilling out um my wedding planner is actually coincidentally really into essential oils and uses those for managing stress on the day of good Um, I did not learn this till at well into, you know, working with him, but that works for me. I'm happy with that. I'm just curious if like you have other advice for people on the day of their wedding or I mean, any of this in my mind is so applicable to every big event, you know, so you have your big wedding day, but you also have like a big speech that you're giving at work, you know, or you have a big I don't know, vacation that you're going on that you're excited about, you know, all these big days. Mm. What have you found that's been, you know, helpful for your listeners? Well, I actually think, and as you said, it doesn't have to be wedding related. And I think stand-up's one of those things that everyone has their little routines and you learn when, you know, how people go about getting through that anxiety or nervousness or a little bit of, you know, internal hype and adrenaline, exactly. And I love talking to comedians about their routine and a lot of people are really stuck in the way their habits and and will only do certain things. Like I never drank and talked because I just thought – I'd be sloppy jalopy and oh yeah, I never did either. Totally. So many people like I have three beers before I go. I'm like, oh my god, I'd be a mess and I would be unconscious. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I think it's also just having time in your own head, and whether that is listening to a podcast, going for a run, playing some PlayStation, whatever it might be that. You know, I like shooting things, and not sorry, not appropriate for the. I like (laughs) shooting things on PlayStation Four. And everyone comes to our house and assumes it's my husband's PlayStation. I'm like, no, Call of Duty is my homegirl. So, no, that's yes. so funny. But I think people would, wouldn't assume. But I think it's whatever takes your play, your brain to that sort of neutral place. I also really love The Real Housewives, various franchises. I like them all. <laughs> but it's like dumb stuff that gets my brain to that, you know, nothing zone that actually really helps me relax and chill. So, I love that. So it's all trash. So, it's play all just PlayStation trash. on the day of your wedding. I think that I would think that's, that's amazing. If you want to do that, shoot some shit up. You know, play some Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> I was going to go bad with that. <laughs> so my pre stand up um, routine was basically not thinking about it. until like two seconds before I was going to go on just like literally like doing every single thing possible to like not tell myself I was about to get on stage and then right before I'd go on I would like go into the bathroom and basically like just like dance or like run in place like (laughs) or like army run in place just like literally like shake my body in crazy ways to just move that adrenaline so I didn't just like pass out (laughs) it's hard isn't it because it's I think I used to go through, I went through stages and I've done lots of long form, like I did Sydney and Melbourne comedy festivals and I think it's my brain shifts when I'm doing like a five minute or a 20 minute set versus like an hour where you're like, oh fuck, this is a lot of shit to try and store in your brain. But 
it's a different to me. It was always a different mindset of preparing for a longer show, and also just doing it over and over again. You just sort of get into that routine. But you know, when you're fi- tr- finding that new material moment, where you're just like, "Oh my god, just make this work," so I don't have to do the walk of shame. Even though we've yeah. all done the walk of shame, <laughs> the walk of shame. Yeah, yeah, mm. the walk of shame. <laughs> It's all coming back, flashbacks. Yeah, I know. I haven't done stand-up in a while. I've thought about getting back into it, but I, I just – I don't want to go out at night and to these really places. I yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks. It does suck. So funny. We need we like – what's that thing where – now everyone's doing these like disco, not like, I think they're like silent discos in the morning. Like the get down, is that? Yeah. There's one yeah, in, I feel in like... London called Morning Glory and it's when all the, uh, like the young suburban bourgeois hippies go uh, before they go to their high powered, you know, like Wall Street jobs, they yeah. go and pretend to be hippies in the morning. And I love it. I've got friends that do it, but they get up at five o'clock in the morning and then go and rave, have a shower and it? just go to work. But it's all booze and, <laughs> booze and so drug funny. Free. Yeah. Yeah. That we need that for stand up. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Just Let's do a casual it. six o'clock gig and a nana gig. <laughs> yeah, that oh my god. Brunch brunch. Brunch. A little brunch. If I could just oh, be at home by dinner time, that'd be great. Thanks. Yeah, it'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so that's kind of on the same topic of what I want to talk about next, which is traditions. Yeah. So I guess that was a nice little segue I just inserted right there. I like um, it. I love that you say when it comes to traditions, bride chillers question traditions. They ditch those that aren't meaningful to them and embrace the ones that are. Mm. And I've been doing that as I've been planning my wedding. I mean, we're not having bridal parties. We're right. just We're not doing it. I didn't. It's not who we are. I'm not big into clicks. I'm not big into everyone wearing the same thing. We're having each, we each have one sibling. They're going to stand by us. And that's the whole deal. Um, we're not doing a rehearsal dinner. Good. And, you You're know, a I waste of money. Oh my God. I was just listening to one of your episodes before this, where you were like shitting on rehearsal dinners. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hate them. Laughing so <laughs> hard. Well, you said that it's only an American thing. Yeah. I don't understand them. It wasn't until I started doing this and you know, I get I get lots of emails from people all over the place and they're always like, what's the right thing to do here? And I'm always like, ah, geez, I don't know. It depends where you live because there are so many different rules of what is expected of you. But in Australia and Britain especially, we have the rehearsal dinner is like a whole other wedding that I think is insane. I have oh, no yeah. idea. But yet everyone sort of unquestioningly does it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's when you see at the outside world, you go, no one else does this. It's just you guys. You don't have yeah. to do it. It's like giving people permission to go, oh, good. We thought it was stupid too. Let's ditch it. Well, in general, how do you suggest people feel that permission? Because for me, I mean, I've just always been cool doing my own thing. That's just mm. who I am. I don't know. I, I've, I've been trying to think back to like if my parents taught me this, they must have or at least encouraged it. Um, I just don't care. Like if right. there's a tradition of a rehearsal dinner, I don't care because I don't want to do it. And, you know, instead actually what we're doing is – which is really fun. The weekend before our wedding, we're taking our like closest, closest 30 people to us to a a beach, our favorite beach. And we're spending the weekend there with them. And we thought about getting married on this beach, but instead we're doing like a rehearsal weekend, which is our favorite people in the world. And then we'll have our wedding the next week and that's it. I think the biggest thing is when you say about giving yourself permission, the, the thing that anyone needs to remember like organizing a wedding or any sort of big event that's attached to tradition is that tradition is only what you know you want it to be it doesn't you don't have to do any of this stuff to get hitched all you need is another person preferably the person you want to marry and (laughs) if you want to make it legal someone to make it legal that is it and this idea that you have to do anything really you know can fall by the wayside when you give yourself permission to go look we don't want a rehearsal dinner or we don't want to have 400 of our closest friends that we haven't seen for you know 15 years to come along because we had drunk promises of Mm. I promise you're gonna be at my wedding or you're my bridesmaid and you go Mm. in bride chiller land drunk promises don't mean anything and (laughs) I think it's you know it all comes down to people going but my parents would be disappointed or my parents won't understand and for me, mm. it's about having really good open channels of communication of just going, listen, mum and dad, this is the day for us that is about us. 
and today we choose not to have a rehearsal dinner and also we're going to save five grand or whatever um a lot like a lot yeah, of money it's just so much money and oh my I just God. find that so strange so I think you know it's obvious and as cliche as it might sound it's about being able to communicate why you don't want to do something and explain it to the people that might be having an opinion and also you can't make everyone happy all the time especially with weddings because people are insane Totally. And everyone has their own opinion and everyone has their own, you know, must do's and traditions and all that. And it's, it's interesting. I love that you say, you know, explain and communicate because our rabbi who we're working with to like build the ceremony or whatever is really adamant about only doing traditions that mean something to us. And so we keep at like, we're talking to him about all the different traditions because we don't really know why any of them exist you know like we're like why are there bridesmaids he's like and he told us that it's because I guess in the past they were supposed to make the bride feel like she had an entourage or something well there's another sort of angle is to say it used to be because of curses and demons so that if someone was going to come and put a curse on the bride on her wedding day is that if there's a whole bunch of other chicks that are dressed the same they won't know who to put the curse on so they're the the slaves who was going to curse well just some bad (laughs) someone didn't get invited to the wedding Baltimore (laughs) (laughs) oh my god but it's true if you question I I think a lot of people blindly sort of go oh you have to do this because it's tradition and you know there's a great conversation that's happening um recently on the the in the community and talking about name changing and someone sort of saying and this is a big topic but the idea that um one of the bride chillers was saying well I talked to my partner I really want to keep my name and of course it should be your right to do whatever the fuck you want to do but she sort of said my partner said well you should change it because it's tradition and Mm. her going yeah but what does it mean anything to us you know like why and I think it's that step back of going why do you need to do this why do you feel so obliged to do it and but we should be doing this with a lot of decisions in our lives not just about weddings totally it's just take a moment think about it question it do your research and then make a decision but don't just jump into it because you feel like you should be doing something Shoulda, coulda, woulda is just a waste of time, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I love that. I love the idea of just questioning every – don't do – I mean, the wedding is just such a great metaphor for life. I mean, everything. Like, why is there a flower girl? You know, do you know why, actually? No. Just some way to get a cute kid in the wedding. I don't know. Well, I, we're we're not having a flower girl. We good. I'm we're having a no kid policy. Right. <laughs> I decided no kids. So I mean, I don't. But like, screw it. You know the and it's funny because the the demon thing with the bridesmaids. I mean, that's hilarious and. <laughs> That just literally sounds like something out of Harry Potter or something. Yeah. Um, so when you think about that and that that's the tradition, then why – like you have to wonder why it is the way it is now. I mean it's completely changed into a different tradition, which is like showing off how cool you are because you have a clique of girls that will dress up with you and take photos with you and get you drunk at a party in matching bathing suits. Exactly. You know, like, but a, but that's but a lot not of them, for everyone. Yeah, but then you talk to bridesmaids and they're like, I don't want this job. I don't want to do this. Oh, I know. So it's like this weird thing of this obligation of going, well, I should ask Nancy. We were friends in college. Oh, yes. But I don't really want any bridesmaids. And then Nancy's going, oh, please, God, don't ask me. I don't want to. Yes. Okay, yay, I'll be a bridesmaid. Woo. Oh, my God. And then Nancy becomes now this, I think, is really insane. All of these pre-wedding events that people seem really like – nonchalant like totally devoted to going oh yeah we're going to do a bridal shower we're going to do a a bachelorette party that is now sort of like an international vacation for some reason they've evolved and you're like who the fuck has the time and the money to be taking time off work to paying all this money and uh and then they're still going on you know the wedding events not even associated with the pre-wedding stuff so it's like become this huge blown up thing where everyone feels obligated to spend all this money and you just sort of get trapped in this zone of going I'll shell out more money all right we're now we're gonna buy a dress great we're gonna buy another dress for the rehearsal dinner we're gonna buy another dress for the the you know bachelorette oh my god it's crazy it is and and it all comes back to communication like you said I mean in that example if people had just said you know just said the truth what they were feeling 
all of that craziness wouldn't have escalated. And that's what I did with my best friend. So she was a maid of honor for somebody else. And the whole time she was just complaining to me. Like she was miserable. <laughs> like she had to buy the something blue and the something boo, boo, boo for the thing. And then she had to do this. And it was like so expensive, so stressful. And she was miserable. So mm. when I got engaged, I actually, and you're supposed to like, at, you know, nowadays you're supposed to like ask somebody to be your bridesmaid or maid of honor or whatever, you know, present it to them so they can post it on Instagram that they were <laughs> offered the position, you know, cause they're number one. So I made this like PowerPoint for her and not like I, like a little slideshow thing and I presented it to her and it was like, because you're my best friend and I love you so much and da 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 da, will you not be my <laughs> maid of honor? Because <laughs> I want you to wear whatever the hell you want to my wedding. I want you to not have to spend a bajillion dollars and be so stressed planning I all the love shit. it. Just enjoy it and be my best friend. Oh, my and gosh. And I was very proud about that move. <laughs> you get 10 gold chiller bride stars for that. Yes! That's a smooth move. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> and you can suggest that to your peeps. I'm happy to share the PowerPoint. <laughs> oh, I would love You know they would dig that so hard. <laughs> Because so up. many, because so many people, I think, go. Oh, I should, probably should have bridesmaids, and then feel exactly the same way as you. And then the bridesmaids feel happy. You're going great. I can just turn up, have a dance, wear a great frock yeah. that I choose, and go home. The right. end. And still, you know, we can take special photos together. Yeah. And you know, you're still my best friend. It's not, yeah. you know, yeah. So I mean, I guess I just want to encourage people to do them to be authentic and to go against the traditions if they so feel or at least question them you know like why is there a flower girl we don't know you didn't know you're the expert I don't know I'm a person uh. and so maybe you don't need a flower girl like <laughs> just because everyone else does it you know yeah and I think there's so many little aspects if if you know great little listener exercise now to think about the last two Ooh. weddings you've been to exercise. and think about how many what was the memorable moment? Like, what do you think of when you think about that wedding and why did it work or, you know, why was it boring or why was it exciting or whatever? And, you know, 99% of the time it was nothing to do with what sort of favours were on the table or what colour napkins or, you know, these pissy little details that everyone freaks out about. It's about laughing and dancing and having a really great time and, and you know, actual emotional moments. So, it just goes back to this idea of feeling obliged to focus on crazy details that are completely, you know, forgettable after about 10 seconds of seeing them, especially because <laughs> we've all got goldfish brains right now. You know, we Instagram everything and maybe we don't. Good on you. Um, <laughs> but it's this idea that, you know, there's more to life than worrying about crappy wedding shit. <laughs> Fuck chair covers. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag. Hashtag. Speaking of not caring, you know, about what other people think, let's talk about something I think is one of your favorite topics, which is obligatory guests. Oh, yeah. I hate that so much. I love it. But I don't like the idea that we feel obliged to invite people to our wedding that we wouldn't ever go out for dinner with or spend time with, you know, outside of our wedding time. But it sort of becomes the bane of your existence trying to cut people off a list or go, I should keep them because they're my mum's second cousin and she said they would come. And you're just like, why would you invite these people to the most, you know, personal, I don't want to say most important day of your life, but one of these personal, intimate days of your existence and to have someone there that you have to fake smile at. I hate that. But what do you do? I mean, so many people, I mean... That's that's probably one of the biggest sources of unchillness about weddings that people experience where, yeah. you know, they have their parents who want to invite people or, you know, you told some like the drunken um, promises. Like I definitely have a few of those people <laughs> where I'm like, I'm, I'm either going to have to just do it or like say sorry. I mean, so what like do you have any advice on what people do about oh, these people? I got so that much they advice. Like, oh, my God. Tell us the advice. I got so much advice. Well. Firstly, I mean, here's the thing. When it comes to creating a guest list, my advice to you is don't tell – I mean, yes, there are drunk promises. We all have – I've made so many drunk promises in my life. Oh, my gosh. But other people are drunk also. Like and what? They don't. What's a drunk promise? Oh, I'm a really generous drunk person. Okay. And I'm just like, you can definitely come and stay at our house for two weeks. And it's like, oh, fuck <laughs> no. I don't want you in my house for two weeks. I don't even want my house in an 
two hours. So, um, you know, sometimes my husband's got to put his little hand on my knee just going, hey, babe, shut it down. Um, too Good generous. Husband. Too generous. Yeah, but that's taken a few years. Um, the idea that, you know, you sit down and you sort of, I suggest you do a brain dump of people that you know that you may be in the periphery of the guest list area and both of you sit down and if your parents, you know, are, are what I call wedding donors, people that like to give you money potentially. Wedding donors. A wedding donor, you know, I, I've said this a few times on the podcast and people might be sick of hearing me say this, but a wedding donor is like a political donor. They come in and they say, we don't want anything. We just believe in your cause. Here's some money. <laughs> And you know deep down that is not true. They are <laughs> lobbyists. They've got different things they want to push. So you need to treat them like that and you need to figure out what their intentions are. And from the get-go, go, where do you expect this money to go and what is attached to this money? And if you know that from the get-go, you know that, all right, mum and dad want 10 guests, fine. There's your 10 guests. But you know, mm-hmm. Or that you know they're going to be major pains in the ass for this money is it worth accepting the money or do you just pay for it yourself and live through it so <laughs> i think you know this is different parents different situations but i do think if you can do the brain dump and you go all right we've got a venue that seats 100 but i've got 400 people on the list obviously you got to hack that list mm-hmm. but also i always sort of say you know um people that you work with Really, do you think that you'll be working at that place for the next 25 years? Will it be a problem if you don't? I mean, I had lots of people we didn't invite to our wedding and I just grinned and bared it really and said, we're having a small wedding. So sorry. Yeah. love to have had you there, whatever. But also plus ones are a huge thing that I think people assume that they can bring their boyfriend that they've been out on three fucking Tinder dates to <laughs> and you're like, go to a restaurant, not my wedding. Um <laughs> So we set so up. True. We set up like a little little rules that we're like, if we don't, if we both haven't met the partner, unless they live yes. fifty million, fifty million miles away, then they ain't coming to the wedding. And mm-hmm. so I think you just have to set up boundaries, but also really stick to it when it comes to, you know, creating a list and realizing that if you have to fake smile to greet that person, then they should not be at your wedding. They should not be people that you don't genuinely go, oh, my God, I am so happy to see you. Thank you for sharing this amazing day with me because yeah. what's the point of, of of creating all of this stuff when you have to fake it? Ugh, you don't want to do Ugh. it. I'm, I'm literally a butterfly in my stomach right now just because I love everything you're saying, and it's so aligned with what I say about healthy eating. You Good. know, I always say I'd rather you eat French fries with a smile than Brussels sprouts with a bitch face. Oh, yeah. Oh, Brussels sprouts. I mean, <laughs> teach me. I really want to love them. Do I? Well, I don't you know. know, then don't either try cooking them, you know, roasting them a little olive oil, salt, pepper, you could put a little balsamic or mustard and toss it with the olive oil, roast it. If you don't love them, <laughs> then don't eat them the same way as don't invite that person to your wedding. Yes. You know, our life is too short and precious to be having people at our wedding that we don't want to act, that we have to fake smile for or eating fruits or vegetables that are told to be healthy for us, but we don't actually like, or even going to dinner on like a Tuesday day with some friend who says they want to see you but like you're not really into them oh my god I, I there's my favorite little instagram i don't really like inspirational posts that much because they i feel like most of them are bullshit but one of the things that i reposted <laughs> a few days ago was just stop saying yes to shit you hate and <laughs> yes oh <laughs> like i'm not a tattoo person but i really feel like that's who should be tattooed on a lot of us to go listen so much of our lives we go yeah right, yeah tuesday night i want to be at home I want to be watching Netflix. I want to be in stretchy pants and I don't want to wear a bra. So that means I don't probably want to go out to your gig at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday night. And yet we feel obliged to go, well, I want to support you or yeah, I'll do it because we feel uncomfortable saying no. But, you know, this is a big problem all around. But I do think we do need to stop saying yes to shit we hate. Stop saying, you know... I'm. I like to phase people out. This sounds so harsh, but if I don't, <laughs> you know, friends. Do we are need friends. to pre- prevent some people from listening to this episode? Oh, bring it! Come on. <laughs> but you know, like if people don't make you feel good, if you see someone in your life that when you come home from that, you know, event of seeing them, 
if you don't feel positive about it and they don't make you feel good about yourself, then I think you need to question why you continue to see this person. And yet we all go through ups and downs in friendships, but there's certainly been people in my life that I'm like, you don't make me feel good about myself. And this has been an ongoing situation. You're gone. You're gone. And it's hard, but it feels good when you you don't have to deal with it. Totally. I mean, at the end of the day, like, do you feel good? I feel good. I feel like that was a bit of a lecture series. I do apologize. No, I I thought that was an inspiring segment. (laughs) (laughs) It was very inspiring. Just you do you, you know, at the end of the day, we have one life. It's pretty short and we should not spend it fake smiling for anything. I agree. Who has time for the fake smile? No one. No. So one thing that's been really actually, I think our biggest stress for our wedding is the food. Shocker. Mm. Um, You know, so considering my livelihood is about healthy food, I want our food to be clean and amazing and farm to table and very planty. But, you know, not everybody wants vegan pizzas and kale salads, even (laughs) though that's what I feel most connected to and authentic serving. I feel like I have to serve steak, even though that's not really on brand for me as a human. So what do I do? I think you've got to go back to you do you. This is like the day that represents you as a couple. And I think if that is the sort of food that you live by and live for and are passionate about, then I think it's also a great opportunity for people who don't normally eat you know, all the plant-based stuff and feel like they would ever explore different options that you, you know, are passionate about. I think it's a fantastic way to maybe say, hey, coming to our gig, we're paying for it. Shut up yeah. and eat it. <laughs> and Thank don't, you. why would you have a steak? If steak is not something that, you know, you agree with or even feel passionately about, then fuck that. No steak. No steak. Mm. Oof. All right. Wow. I feel a little liberated. Do you need me to make some calls? I feel like sometimes I am more like attitude and I share my stuff and then some bride chillers are like, great, could you just now call the wedding planner or could you call my mother-in-law and tell her that? I know. I might need you. I might need you. Good thing I have have your number. Yeah, I'm ready. We'll circle back to that. I'm ready. Is there a very like planty signature cocktail you've had at a wedding that you remember with fondness? Well, you know what? Uh, I haven't been to many weddings in the UK, but in Australia, we love, you know, we love a flowery cocktail. We love Mm -hmm. elderflowers and we love Mm -hmm. to put, um, oh my gosh, can I just Google while we're talking what this thing's called? Um, It's a plant, it's a flower. Oh, it's hibiscus. Duh. Just came to me. So if you Google, there's a company in Australia that make these amazing hibiscus plants. flowers in a jar and you put the hibiscus in the bottom of a champagne glass and then you put the champagne over it and it flowers and flavors the champagne and it is amazing and I don't know why it is not like you know something everywhere all over the world but I've seen it this hibiscus jar being sold um it's called wild hibiscus flowers in syrup um and you can, uh, it's really nice, but it gives this lovely sort of light flavoring. I know it's that sort sounds of, wonderful. It, and it looks really pretty and they're delicious. And you've just inspired me for the holidays to buy some of this online and have some at Christmas time. I want to buy it online and have some at Christmas time and at wedding time. <laughs> it's really great. I've just been looking online and you can buy it all over the place. Amazon have got it. But it's it great. looks it just it's a way to make a little bit of prosecco look really fancy if you put these flowers in it. They're cool. Well, that's very planty. Mm. And you well can done. eat the pl- and you eat it at the end and it tastes sort of crunchy and delicious. Awesome. Thanks for that. No props. Do you find that a lot of brides have like post-wedding depression? Yeah, I do. I had no good segment for the segue for that. I just jumped right into that deep question. I like no, I liked it a lot. <laughs> I I liken it to post-show depression of mm. when you're in a play or you've done a you know like a gig and you don't have to do that anymore. And I think that we become really like in the zone, or when you're training for a marathon, or you're training for you know. You've got some big event at work on it, and it's or vacation or fake. Oh my god, yes! I, mean, I that's... get so depressed after vacations. 
Exactly. You're like, what the hell? My life is over now. What am I, I going to live for? What do I look forward to now? I've got nothing. But that's when you start the next vacation and you're like, I've got no money, yep. but I need this. I need this. We Put need something this. on the calendar to count Please. down. <laughs> and I think weddings, is like that's just like another aspect of feeling, you know, a little bit in the zone with organizing and you realize that every night has been spent doing some inane piece of DIY that you probably could have bought on Etsy, but you wanted to commit to it. But then you realize halfway through it's a waste of your time and um, <laughs> <laughs> don't DIY, just get someone else to do it for you. That's my real suggestion, everyone. But um, DIY without the why. But I do think you've got a value and it's the same with any task, whether you're running a small business, if you're a solopreneur or Look you are- at you. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm like a, <laughs> it's like I've joined a cult, but it is this idea over the last three years of working full time and doing the podcast. I really value my own time. And I think that I used to be a bit cheap and just going, no, I'll try and reprogram my website and I'll spend all of, you know, Saturday morning doing one HTML fix that I want to kill myself after doing, or yeah. just going, Let's go on Upwork or Fiverr and just pay someone 50 bucks and they finish it in an hour and I can move on with my life. And I think it comes to the point of going, we really need to value our time in a more positive light. And that's not just to do with weddings, it's to do with everything and having that notion of going, my time where I could be sitting with my husband or doing something else is far more valuable than dicking around with my website. Yeah, you could be playing video games. I know. I mean, that's so much better than HTML. Or having a conversation or feeling, you know, going for a run. Eating something great, avocado toast. Oh, I love it. Well, you know, Australians, we love an avocado toast. Yes, you guys are like the originals. Yeah, we're the OGs of the avocado toast. We know how to charge for it. (laughs) We love a bit of feta on top and Mm. a little bit of, of, oh gosh, just a bit of, uh, what would you, you don't call it coriander, cilantro. Oh, well, we call we call cilantro the leaf. Coriander is like the, the dried herb yeah. that you can sprinkle on things. Very strange. But, you know, I live in England where they call a zucchini a courgette. And what was that? What is the What do they call it? A courgette. And if you say the word zucchini, it's like you might as well have gone, you know, penis. They have no idea what you're talking about. And um, they also like a capsicum. Do you use the word capsicum? No. Oh, okay. It's just Australia. Maybe Australia and New Zealand. That's a pepper. But oh. we would... Um, Very scientific, it sounds. A capsicum. I think it is actually a scientific name. We'll yeah. Google that later. But <laughs> lots of different food things. You're like, why like, why can't I buy this? And then you realize they've changed the name. Arugula is something. You guys call something arugula that... Oh, rocket. Don't, right? Rocket. Oh, rocket. You call arugula rocket. <laughs> yes. That's a hoot. Arugula. That is random. It sounds like a dance. Arugula, arugula. Rocket. Well, how is that a plant? <laughs> I don't know. I've never questioned that, but now I'm going to have to do some deep thought. <laughs> yeah, please do. <laughs> Great. Is there a book that maybe has inspired you in some way or like helped you become as chill and, you know, not giving a fuck as you are? <laughs> oh, my gosh. There's so many. I mean, I'm... I, I love like I love a good comedy uh, book. I love a good you know um, book of essays. You know I love David Sedaris. I love Simon mm. Rich. So I think from that perspective, I use reading as a way to sort of zone out and and chill out. And I would love to write a book of essays one day. So I think I very much aspire. I read those those stories and feel very motivated. Um, yes, which is really fun. As I think from a comedian's point of view as well to go you don't have to write your material doesn't have to be for stage all the time and I think sometimes we forget that which is just nice to have you know these ridiculous stories that seem to happen to all of us but being able to put them onto the paper do Um, you think it's like a comedian thing I'm just thinking of this right now to like hmm. be okay maybe it's a comedian thing to be okay going against the grain or I mean that's I guess that's what comedians do they point out the shared craziness that everyone's doing blindly or saying or experiencing and are okay being different. I I just kind of realize this now talking to you that maybe that's why you and I both are like preaching messages of don't just do things because everyone else does them. Have your own perspective, be authentic, go against the grain, all that. 
I think that's a really good summation of uh, our characteristics and also this idea that to get up and tell jokes. I mean, I really resent people that go, you're so brave. It's so brave. And I'm like, I don't, it's not brave. It's just You're just a, telling the truth. It's just a gig. Yeah, you, you write something, you practice it, you stand up. It doesn't always go well, but sometimes it's amazing. You go home, you think about it, you go to bed and do it all again. And I don't think braveness, I think that's the wrong, um, you know, it's, the, it's certainly the wrong way I would describe what we do. But it's the idea that you start to see things more as, you know, these little moments that happen in your life. You know, I carry around a book still and write down things because I think, well, one day I'll be able to use them again. Yeah. And I use them to talk about on the podcast and stuff. So I think it's just changing your perception a little bit to see how, you know, something silly that happens on the train on the way to work or whatever could be turned into a bit or a story one day. So totally. I was yeah. watching the Jerry Seinfeld documentary that's on oh, Netflix. I love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. And in the intro, he said something. I, I don't remember the exact wording, but it was of the concept that he remembered at a young, he realized at a young age that like he didn't have to, I guess, like do what everyone else was doing. Yeah. Like he yeah. could talk about what everyone else is doing, but not do it. Oh. And I think that's kind of the name of the game here. I think that documentary and, you know, he did comedian years and years ago when he left, um, when he retired his shtick yeah. and went back to writing. And that's a great documentary. But then seeing this new one that's just sort of appeared um, and talking about his beginnings, to me, anyone that is interested in writing or learning about the art of stand-up, to me, it was such a great um View, you know, looking into his world. And he talks about comedy so well anyway. But yeah. I, I really sat there and with a huge grin the whole time. It's such a delightful piece of, you know, television. I loved it. Yeah, he's great. I'm so glad you loved it. Yay. Oh, I, I have That's a. Cool. I think we both share a, an adoration of that man. Yes. He will not let us down. No, I, w- I would love to see him live. I would absolutely love it. We've seen him a few times. Oh. He's really, really, really good, obviously. You know, the biggest thing for me was, so when I lost my grandmother, she died a bunch of years ago. I remember we got, this is just on the topic of comedy, we got um, all these freaking edible arrangement fruit baskets in the mail <laughs> and everyone kept saying like my condolences give your mom my condolences like share my condolences and I just thought I mean I don't know what was going I think this was like right when I started doing stand-up so I had that like let's find the funny in every single thing yeah. <laughs> and I just found these fruit baskets ridiculous I found the condolences insane mm. and I wrote a whole set on the fruit baskets now they come to your house <laughs> and then you have to care for the fruit and your your morning and the fruit Fruit's dying. You have to put it in plastic bags off the sticks <laughs> in the fridge. It was really, I was very passionate about it. But I kept, I, this also this bit on condolences. Like, what the hell are condolences? Why do I want them? Why are you giving them to me? What are they? And I, like, right around that time, read an article um, about Jerry Seinfeld. I think it was in the New York Times. And he talked about how you can find the funny in everything. And yeah. he's like, for example, if I went to, you know, if I lost somebody and everyone just kept saying, condolences I would do a bit about condolences and I printed that or I cut it out of the paper and framed it and I made this shrine because I just felt like so (laughs) inspired and connected and on point and just lit up about our condolences (laughs) my my whole I love that so much and my whole beginnings the first sort of gig or two I did was based around um I was in a long-term relationship far before I met Rich and I was engaged and the guy that I was engaged to, my ex-fiance, um, oh. pulled the plug five weeks before our wedding. And Whoa. yeah, it was heavy stuff. But I would start telling this story over and over again of this, like this shitty saga. And there were lots of little caveats to this story that I think actually ended up because I got sick of people feeling sorry for me that I would twist it a little bit and do some, you know, I had, sh- I turned it into shtick unintentionally so I could get through telling this awful, you know, depressing story. And then eventually, uh, you know, after a couple of months, there was a stand up comedy competition that was happening called Raw Comedy in, in Australia. And it's run by a, a youth radio station and they run these heats all over the country. And I just said, fuck it, I'm going to get up. I'm going to rewrite the tale of woe and see how it goes. This could be my chance. 
And it was the most cathartic experience. And so it was about cancelling a wedding, which the irony of all of this is that, you know, now I talk about weddings I'm, so I, much. I know. This is incredible. <laughs> Do you talk about this experience? Okay, yeah. In the now? first, if you listen oh to the very, the 001 episode of my show, oh. I'll tell a little bit, of, I tell a bit of this intro. But, you know, it, and I've, I've, my, I'm writing a, well, it's going to be published in March called The Bridechiller Survival Guide. And there's a whole couple of chapters about this without Congrats. being, That's thank awesome. you. Thank you. That was like a really blatant plug unintentionally. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's really cathartic to write about your personal experiences and also find humor in the darkness. Yeah. And to me, it was the best gift anyone could have given me uh, of like finding my voice and finding this way to turn something that was pretty shit into you know, a funny story that people would go, oh, that poor girl, but also, oh, she's all right. She's fine. She's carrying yeah. on. Um, and that to me, you know, has given me so many uh, opportunities over the last 10 years to write stuff that maybe you wouldn't feel comfortable about saying in a small group of friends, but you can say to thousands of people. Yes, exactly. Well, that's what your show's about too, you know, helping those thousands of people through talking about stuff like this and yeah. making them feel like, who gives a fuck about what is it like the, the chair covers? Yeah, fuck the chair <laughs> My covers. My favorite saying. Fuck chair covers. Yeah, and I it's love it. and it's great to be able to you know like I know you talking about IBS and stuff like that. There was a conversation happening in the Bridechiller community recently with someone saying, "I have IBS. Is anyone else here? And what is suffering from the same or a similar sort of situation? What are you going to do on your wedding day?" And we had you know, a hundred mm. comments under this, this post Wow! with people saying, yeah, I don't have IBS, but I have this. And, that. and it's like, actually, you know, there are a lot of things that aren't discussed and I think they should be. And yes. life would be so much easier if we were all a little bit more open and ready to receive. Totally. And that, you know, goes to your health. Like you were just talking about that relates to inviting guests to your wedding, picking your dress, the whole thing. And that's why I just love how this wedding talk is just a metaphor. Like we were saying, it's just an example of all these other important life lessons and life to do's and, you know, ways to live more authentically. Just, you know, the wedding brings it out and then you can apply this stuff to everything. Forever. Yeah. And mental health is another huge topic I really encourage. You know, I talk a lot about the idea that, you know, just because you're engaged doesn't mean you can switch off any sort of mental health situation that you've got going down or family members have got going down in their lives. So we have to be adaptable and also um, be ready to face whatever comes in our path. And that means if you suffer from depression or anxiety, it's not going to go away because you're engaged. We mm. should be open and honest about how we feel and also use this as an opportunity to help other people. And for me, you know, talking about what I talk about for all those episodes, I really think the best gift I've given myself and other people on this podcast is being able to talk about those sort of topics. And hopefully we can talk about it more and health and just looking after ourselves, really. It's funny because when I when we first got engaged, I thought that this ring was like this magical ring that meant <laughs> no fighting or no yes. ever. And I will never forget the first fight that we had while I was wearing the ring. And I remember looking at the ring and being like, you me. you're not this magic ring that just makes no fights. You know, because you're like out nine when you're first engaged and then. We had a fight and I was like, I kind of feel like I should be taking off the ring here. Like, I don't want <sighs> to hear this fight, but it's true. I mean, just being engaged or being married or whatever doesn't mean that it's all all bliss and all the other things really do need to be addressed. And the wedding, I think, brings out the, a lot of stuff, you know, that maybe you've been kind of sweeping under the rug. Yeah. And, and also the opportunity to actually have a conversation about the next 30 to 40 years, if you're lucky, um, of being hitched and your expectations about the rest of your life, not just a party. Because I think a lot of people go, no, no, we'll figure it out later, we'll figure it out later. And you go, well, actually, probably good to decide if you want to have some kiddos or <laughs> probably good to decide if you want to, you hate your job and maybe you want to change things up. So I think there's, there's got to be a little bit more scope into like, future planning and not necessarily like let's come up with a five-year plan but just to go hey I don't really like kids I don't really want to have them is that going to be a problem for you yes okay well we need to figure this out or vice totally. versa mm. yeah 
Exactly. And the name change. Oi, that's a big one. Some yeah. people just assume that, you know, some dudes just assume that their lady's going to change. And I think, you know, it's not necessarily the case for some people. Oh. I don't know what I'm going to do. TBD. I might hyphen that shit. <laughs> I, t- I use both my names. I'm a little bit like I use my maiden name, my original name for all my performing and stuff. And then I change my married name. I use it for all my legal documents and stuff. So I just do both. Just Where is, it. What's it on Facebook? That's what really matters. I am Maddox, my married name on Facebook, but underneath it says McCormack. So I oh. feel like I'm still, you know happy to be both (laughs) I like that that's good amazing well this has been a phenomenal conversation I feel like I could talk to you for hours and hours likewise oh so where should everyone go to get their bride chill on with you well, if you uh, would like to learn more about Bride Chiller, you can visit thebridechiller.com and that is the gateway to Bride Chillerdom. And uh, we encourage, we've got this fantastic Facebook group called the Bride Chiller Community. It's a place of, uh, I don't want to say it's a safe place because I really hate that fucking safe place <laughs> shit, but it's a place where it's a no, it's a dickhead free zone, basically. <laughs> if you're a dickhead, don't join. And you wouldn't have dickheads listening, so it's fine. But How do you screen for dickheads? So we've got a little questionnaire. Oh, there's a dickhead questionnaire. <laughs> yeah, and it's Good. like, listen. But it's also a place, there's no spam. <laughs> and if if people are jerks, we ditch them. But uh, we really haven't had to do that very much. But it's just a place, you know, it's where people have very frank, honest conversations but also support each other. And everyone in that group I would happily go and have a plant-based cocktail with <laughs> anytime. A hibiscus one. <laughs> That's perfect. I would share my hibiscus. You're the best. Oh my god! Oh, what a way so to end. I, I and you should join and be a part of it all. And, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, I would love to share all of your amazingness with my people too. Our people. Thank you. Our people. Yeah. Let's unite. Plant party in the chill brides. Woo! No, chill brides. Plant partying. We can work on know. that. Let's work yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was too. Okay. Well, thank you so much, and I assume I will talk to you again very soon. Oh please, let's book it in. Thank you. Happy days. The Bride Chiller Podcast, empowering you to kick wedding planning ass every day. 